Is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am delighted to say that I am joined by Susie Stapleton, who was originally from Sydney but now joins us all the way from Brighton in the UK. Susie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, not a problem. Thank you for inviting me on. It's good to be connected to Sydney. Back to your roots. <laughs> in some way, in this weird time. So, yeah, thank you. Well, it's great to have you, and I'd like to say a congratulations, maybe a bit of a belated congratulations on the release of your debut album, We Are The Plague, which uh, I think it's been out for about six months now. Um, that, yeah. I've been listening to it quite a lot. I saw that you described it as a bold soundtrack to the apocalypse, and I find it very upliftingly bleak, and I can't stop listening to it. I'm interested to know where the darkness, the inspiration of the darkness came from? Uh, For this particular album, I guess when I started writing it, and uh, particularly the title track, We Are the Plague, I was, I mean, I've been obsessed with environmental issues for as long as I can remember. I I love animals and the natural world and just seeing all the destruction that humans are creating really freaks me out and upsets me. And it's something that has for a long time and just seeing the lack of action and real change um, is something I think about pretty much daily. So I guess that was the the main thrust of it at the, at the start. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got climate change, which we were just talking about um, before we jumped on. Um, there's... You know, there's so much going on at the moment, which is upsetting, and it's—I uh, I don't think I'm alone with feeling that. So I guess that's that's the for some of the tracks. I mean, the whole record isn't just about that. It's not like a oh god, it's early here. Sorry, I apologise, but um, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, so there you go. So it was more of an uh, an outcry about the environment rather than like a public health comment because i think that you i mean the first single was released 2018 right the first single track yeah so uh, there were singles released 2018 they were re-recorded but yeah you could say they're connected to the album because there's a two tracks that were released as singles there you you were there and negative profit were re-recorded and and put on the album so um yeah but i mean i wrote we are the plague and most of the material in 2018 so it was before before coronavirus hit um actually early oh god i'm getting my years confused because it's just been the weirdest time but yeah early last year 2020 when um i was having a meeting with someone about um this is like the first week of january we're meeting about artwork for the album some photos and I kind of made a joke. Oh, I hope a you know worldwide pandemic doesn't hit before the album. Ha ha ha! And like literally a week later, <laughs> this news started coming out about coronavirus. So 
yeah timing I guess good bad not sure anyway sure well it's very <laughs> prophetic whether it was good or bad timing I guess the tone of the dark joke matches the tone of the album and you mentioned negative profit before so I've listened to the album through maybe two or three times but I actually have been transfixed with that track you released it as a single uh, a few years ago but you re-recorded it and it's a bit more I think maybe more gothic and more brooding with the piano rather than the heavy rock guitars. And I actually prefer and really love the album version. And I'm really interested to know why you re-recorded that track. I, I guess I wanted to include it on the album. Um, and I did. I, I felt like I could do a better version and also... <sighs> to match the tone of the album more, I guess. That that track in particular isn't with a band in the studio. So whereas you were there, we just retracked with the same setup as the rest of the songs. Negative Profit is a bit of a something I constructed at home, you know, produced at home. So um, I uh, some of the basis is the same, but I changed some of the tracks and just took it in a different direction. I just wanted to change the arrangement and, um, yeah, make it more like like it is, I guess. So the album version was you did that at home rather than in the studio. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking of what else is on there. I'm pretty sure that was all all done at home. I may I may have reamped some. There's not really. A lot of guitar in there. I may have reamped something at the studio, but we we mixed it in a studio. So I mixed it at a place called Urchin Studios in London. Um, but yeah, I, I did a lot of the recording at home. We we um we tracked the band initially at a place called Oxford Sounds in Oxford, and that was bass and drums and some guitar. And then I uh. I recorded all the vocals and most of the guitar at home and then went and reamped the guitar at Urchin before we mixed it. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to dig a little bit deeper into that because I'm so obsessed mm. with it. And in particular, okay. the difference between the new one, the version for the album, because there's a there's an instrument or a sound in the, the one that you did for the album that isn't in the original. And I can't figure out what it is. At the like, towards the end, at like the four minute mark, there's this like pulsing sound that sort of uh, fades in and fades out. I think that um, is in the original. It might just be mixed differently. Um, right. So that is, you mean the thing that goes yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sure. I, I, you put me on the spot there. I'm like, God, I can't remember what's in the track. I was just like scared I couldn't remember. But no, so that. That is actually in the original, but it's just been brought out more because I did want to. Um, oh. I wanted to make. I wanted that to come up because of that in, in intensity it brings towards the end of the the track, and that is. God knows how I created it, but it's um, it's a loop with the guitar, and I think it was a bit of, a bit of a happy accident, just recording bits at home and. Uh, I couldn't, I mean, that particular loop was recorded years ago <laughs> if if it was yeah. on the first single. So, yeah, I just had 
bunch of effects going and and that loop kind of was going around and I think I just went that sounds cool and um stuck a mic on it and recorded it interesting okay mm. I actually Unfortunately, a lot of these things you can't recreate you're like oh, I had no idea how I did that but well I guess one of the reasons I I love the idea of yeah having it like pulsing at the end and it kind of does create this intensity which I think is amplified by the mix on the newer version the, the yeah. album version yeah. The reason I wanted to focus on that is because it reminded me so heavily of, so I've been watching the show Vikings. Okay. Uh, that was sort of how I've been coping with COVID-19. Right, um, okay. And the Sounds title better track, than my choices of Netflix viewing. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe we'll compare, we'll compare off there, maybe. <laughs> um, so the title track is by, I think, a Swedish artist called Fever Ray. Um, okay. I don't know this and show. Okay. The track is called If I Had a Heart, and it's been used, I think it was used on Breaking Bad, but it's a track that has had quite a lot. It's been picked up by quite a lot of TV shows, mm. and it's so cool because it really okay. it has that pulsing. It's like a four-minute electronic track, and it really it pulses for four minutes, and it, there's no crescendo. You think there's going to be a crescendo, but there never is. Ah, and it's I so see. good, and I was wondering if you had been inspired by that, but it seems no, like it's completely... Right. It's like yeah. Newton and Leibniz creating calculus separately in different locations. Mm. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'll check it out, though. I'm also interested in the there's a palette for the artwork for the album and it seems like a lot of the stuff that you do for the album is in grayscale mm. um, my favorite band is the white stripes mm -hmm. and I know that Jack White was very pedantic about creating a specific palette uh, okay. to fit the band so I was interested in the I guess the reasoning behind the the choice of the grayscale palette and whether it kind of linked to the bleakness of the message. The black and white thing is, it's probably started even, I mean, did start even before we created the album artwork. Um, actually started as an Instagram thing. I was posting there in black and white and then maybe it's because I'm obsessive compulsive about things. And once I've done something for a while, I'm like, well, I've done it for six months. I better keep doing it forever. I don't okay. know. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I love I love black and white photography. So I um, I don't know when, if years ago when Instagram, everyone's using a, more filters and things. It was, I don't know. I just found the choice overwhelming. And I just, I love black and the look of black and white. And yeah, it does, I guess, suit my music and things. So I just went with black and white keep it clean sure. and then I just sort of yeah I, I went with it but it's I mean I guess it does if it didn't suit the music then it wouldn't have been a, a thing I pursued but it did just feel right and then um I, I guess we've done the videos all in black and white except we are the plague does use some color um so 
Yeah, it was Ooh. just a theme that seemed to fit and it felt right. So we kept okay. going with it. Well, speaking of the music, I think it's time for us to take a track. I'm going to, I think it's been going to be pretty clear which track I'd like to take. Um, we're going to listen to now the album version of Negative Profit by Susie Stapleton. Up in the attic is a box of thoughts I should 
we just heard was the album version of Negative Prophet by Susie Stapleton. Uh, my favorite lyric is, well, I've been taking deep breaths. It's been a while between shrinks. Up in the attic is a box of thoughts that I shouldn't think. And when I first heard that, it really kind of like cut through me like a dagger. I'd like to talk about the kind of the meaning behind the song. I get that there's kind of a religious under, undertone, but can you tell us about uh, what that song is about? Okay. Um, I guess there's a couple of things going on in there. It is about, I mean, the line you pick out, there's, there's a lot in there about a feeling of hopelessness, you know, and I guess struggling with um, self-doubt and depression and things, I guess, is a bit about mental health in there. There's, um, what's the other bit that I say? It's, um, they'll sell you a crutch, watch you limp away. They know you can run, they need you to stay. That was, I was thinking about, I don't know, I've, I've struggled with depression and things, but I think the way we treat it is not very good at times. I think a lot of people are put on medication that maybe could be helped in different ways. And I say this from personal experience, you know, I, I was put on medication a couple of times and I just think it was, it look, it helps in the short term, but I think, you know, I found ways to manage it, which I think there's more being talked about like that, you know, like just getting out, going for a walk can really help. I know that sounds really simplistic and I know when you're really depressed, it's the last thing you want to hear, but I just think, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, way too many people being just they have an hour with their psychiatrist or whatever gets stuck on some pills and that's it you know what I mean you can, how much can you really learn about a person mm-hmm. in in a couple of hours talking about them uh, with them and I just I think it's I think it's a bit of a thing that maybe one day we'll realize was a was a strange time when everyone was on pills um sure and but I think you know there's also I mean, I guess that's a lot of it. I, I don't know. I kind of just write and this stuff comes out. I'm not thinking about necessarily a specific thing. It's just various feelings come in and out of the song. And I know that was some of what I was thinking about at the time. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a pretty somber note to end the album on. <laughs> <laughs> and the album, there is 
quite a mixture of kind of heavy rock to sort of more lighter, almost sort of like folk style. So is there, I know that it came together over quite a long time, Mm -hmm. is there an underpinning theme with the lyrics and the songs or do you think it was more just this is the collection of songs and this is how they came together? Yeah, it's just a collection of songs. There's not there's not an underpinning theme for the whole album. Like it's not a, you know, there's not a theme across it all. You know, some of, like I say, We Are The Plague's about environmental issues and something like Angel Speaks about someone very close to me who, who died, you know, so it's um, it's got it all in there. <laughs> Something for everyone. Something for all takers. Yeah. <laughs> Susie, you are actually from Sydney, but you have been in the UK for a little while, I think about uh, five years now. So I'm interested to know what it was that drew you over there. I, so I was also living in Melbourne for 10 years between that as well. I um went down to Melbourne, I think in, 2005 and was there yeah 10 years then came over here in 2015 so I'd um before I moved over here I'd done a bit of touring in in Europe and I mean as you know as this is a problem for a lot of people there's just a small population in Australia and a lot of space in between cities so there's just so much opportunity to play over here um well there was we'll get to that but um the yeah for me it was just there was a really good reception for my music and just a lot more going on and um well actually my dad's English so I had my grandma was over here and things I've always had a connection to to England as well my grandma actually and my dad my dad grew up around Brighton um and my my grandma was actually born in Brighton, so oh, right. so there was a bit of a connection. But I, I you know, it's a, a mixture of things. But I guess more just to yeah, see what would happen if I came over here and threw my hat in the ring. But um, yeah, now we've got the pandemic, but also Brexit, which um, really, uh, I I can't tell you how bad that is for um. I was I was actually quite optimistic about it. And when people were being all doom and gloom, I thought, oh, no, it'll be all right. They'll work it out. But um, it's really not looking good. You know, like often I could pop over for a show or two, maybe just break even if, you know, depending what the opportunity was just to get over there and play or, you know, but now there's going to be visa costs involved and it's extra admin, which who has time when they're, you know, I, I, I manage myself and all of that. And it's, it's also the cost is there's going to be prohibitive costs. I already know people pulling out of planned European tours in quite successful bands because they can't make it work with the additional costs. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know why the UK has done this to themselves, but, uh, we tried to stop it. <laughs> it sounds like it's quite ruinous for the music industry, it's, all the new restrictions. It's pretty bad. I mean, my I can I do tour the UK as well, but generally most most of my touring is in Europe. Um, 
and that's that's how you can make it work by you know having a good audience in Germany and France and things and make it all work but um I mean I I hope there's still hope that they might renegotiate and things might get better but it's um that with the dumb whammy of the pandemic I know I know people musicians who've been musicians all their life thinking about doing other things now because it's all all a mess which is really really sad so um yeah I don't know what's going to happen I thought one of the key justifications for Brexit was that or maybe the way it was sold was that it's getting you know getting rid of a lot of the red tape and unnecessary rules from Brussels but it seems like it's actually led to more forms for traveling musicians Oh, and for everyone. I mean, they said a lot of things which just there'd be more money for this, there'd be more money for that. We're we're losing billions in business revenue and it's a real mess. Not Basically nothing they said has happened. You know, I thought they thought, oh, we have the power, we can get away with this great deal. And, um, yeah, it was just it's the biggest waste of time and money I've ever ever seen. So it turned out that international geopolitics was complicated. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it can't be sorted out over one tea break. Mm. Uh, I think very few of life's problems can be sorted out over one tea break. (laughs) That is very true. time for this segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of seven topics. I ask you to choose one of them and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Susie, can you please tell us a thing? I'm going to go with musical equipment. So I often get asked about my guitars and pedals, so I'll share some info about that. I um, A lot of the album was co- uh, recorded with my Les Paul, which is, I think it's a 2008 standard. It's a chambered Les Paul, which I've played for years. And actually, just as I was finishing up the album, I got another guitar, which is a Fender Jaguar, mid-90s, um, and that made it on the album a little bit but um not it didn't feature a lot so um that would be a lot lighter to play on stage right it is well actually that's why the les paul is chambered so that means it's got chambers in the body so it's not as heavy as a uh a a standard non-chambered les paul right um it's still heavier though so yeah. The jag's fun. It just feels like I can fling it about. Not that I sure. <laughs> want to hurt it, but <laughs> it's um. I actually yeah really love the tone of the jag, and um, it's fun experimenting because they have quite different sounds. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then um, I mean, I've had I don't have a huge amount of pedals, but I uh, I have a blues driver on my board, which actually. 
I'm a bit sick of it. I want some new overdrives in my life. <laughs> um, a double rock. I love that as the Zvex pedal. Um, the double rock, which uh, has a little picture of Jay Mascus on it, which is right. I've actually never heard of that. Oh, it's nice. I have the whatever the single one is called the single rock, the rock box of rock. That's what it's called. But this is like two of the circuits in one, so you can put one on and then put the second one on, and the two through each other it sounds really great. Um, and then I've got a little big muff classic. <laughs> I've got uh, a memory man, a memory man. So some of the weird sounds like there's a saying angel speak. There's like a weird, I think I called it the whale sound. Anyway, that's using some effects on the memory man. Got a boss digital delay DD6. Use that for years too. Um, and Holy Grail reverb pedal as well. Um, I've got a roto vibe sitting around somewhere. Sorry, I'm looking as I go because the roto vibe made it on a bit. And yeah, I, I use a ditto looper pedal as well, uh, particularly. Uh, did I use it on the album? Probably, like I say, with that loop you asked about. Um, but more when I'm playing solo gigs, I like to use the looper live um, just to be able to build things up and right. do some do some things with that. Well, yeah, I'm um, interested to know what the combination was. We'll have to hack the mainframe to figure out what combination it was to produce <laughs> that Vikings-esque pulse. Um, yeah. I was going to say, if I'm gonna, you're looking I'm for I'm going to guess it was the Blues Driver, the Digital Delay. Um, I didn't have the Memory Man then. Uh, the Big Muff could be involved. I didn't have the Double Rock then either. So there you go. That, that narrows it down for you. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, more toys. That's not nearly enough pedals. If you're interested in new toys that make weird sounds, I um I really love the brand Earthquaker devices. Oh yeah, I, I've yeah I want to. They're expensive, get but they're there. the best. Yeah, and I bought a I think it, the one I bought online was a Ghost Echo just before Christmas. Their Reverb, mm-hmm. um, and they sent me a handwritten Christmas card from Ohio mm-hmm. to Taree, New South Wales, uh, Australia. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Good, good. I um yeah, actually I I'm just starting to get to work on another album and uh I think some new pedals might be in order to uh get some new sounds. Sure. So, yeah, I did yeah, well, Quaker devices pretty, for sure. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good concise rig rundown. Um, but we're I've left off amps, but you know. I have a Fender Blues Junior and a Tiny Terror, Orange Tiny Terror at home, but some of the... So do I. Yay. I have an Orange Tiny Terror terror as well. Very good. Yeah, they're good. They're they're so crunchy. That's exactly the word I was going to use. I I used some of those. I also used a bigger amp in, in the studio, Fender. I think it was a Fender Twin. I'm trying to remember what they had in the studio. But, okay. Uh, yeah. There you go. I like to use really small amps in the studio and then just crank them until they're about to fall apart. Mm. Yes, we did do some of that as well. But I guess, yeah, just to get some more of the lower end, you need the, the bigger guys. But I, I, I sure. like that as well. Yeah. Well, mm. Susie, All the amps. thank you so much for <laughs> for joining the podcast. I was very much looking forward 
to this chat. And thank you also for joining us in the uh, morning hours in Brighton. It was really mm. a pleasure to have a chat to you. Thank you so much. And hello, Sydney. I miss you and I'll be there soon. <laughs> we as hope soon so. as we're allowed. <laughs> I hope so. Let's all get vaccines and then you come back and play a show and I'll be there. Brilliant. Deal. <laughs> Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do As 107.3. An altered boy.